Hello, and welcome to this episode of Surety Today. Surety Today is a live monthly call-in podcast presented by the Surety and Fidelity Law Group at Wright, Constable, and Skeen, located in the Mid-Atlantic region. Surety Today is offered to surety claims professionals and is designed to keep you informed about important issues in the industry. Here is your host, Michael Stover. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Surety Today. My name is Mike Stover, and I'm a partner in the Surety Fidelity Law Group here at Wright Constable Skeen in Baltimore, Maryland. As per usual, we like to start our episodes with a big thank you to uh, all of our listeners and supporters of Surety Today. Remember, you can uh, listen to any one or all of our prior uh, 87 episodes of Surety Today anytime, anywhere from any one of our multiple uh, platforms on uh, Surety Today page on our website at wcslaw.com. You can also access the, uh, the Surety Today blog there uh, as a podcast at Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean. Just search for uh, Google search for Surety Today and, and you'll find all those platforms. Also on our micro site at suretytoday.net. We've had uh, just a little shy of 11,000 downloads of the podcast so far. So thanks for that. Uh, uh, as always, we muted the line during the presentation to avoid any background noise and we'll unmute the line at the end for any questions. Uh, today I'm going to talk about uh, the surety and arbitration. If, uh, if you've been following along with the Surety Today blog, you'll know that uh, several of our last weekly posts have focused on arbitration, so I decided to sort of carry that theme through into the podcast today. Uh, I'll start off today by discussing the Federal Arbitration Act. Uh, you know, what it, what it is, uh, when does it apply, uh, what is the effect of its application. Uh, next, I'll talk about an interesting potential argument that could be utilized as a surety defense uh, uh, by a surety to avoid arbitration arising out of the interplay between the McCarran-Ferguson Act and uh, the FAA uh, in states where suretyship is treated as insurance. Uh, after that, if there's any time, I'll discuss some uh, various other more common defenses to uh, an arbitration uh, claim. So, as I said, we'll start off today with a discussion of the Federal Arbitration Act, which I refer to as the FAA, the other FAA, I guess. Having a uh, good understanding of the FAA is important for surety so that you can defend against its use if a party is seeking to you know, compel arbitration when you don't want to arbitrate. Or, you know, if you want to compel arbitration and you want to utilize the FAA to your advantage. So the FAA was enacted in 1925 in response to widespread judicial hostility to arbitration agreements. This judicial hostility began in ancient times with the English courts and was followed uh, into the American courts. Thus, uh, one of the basic purposes of the FAA was to overcome the reluctance of the courts to enforce agreements to arbitrate. A second basic purpose of the FAA was to place arbitration agreements upon the same footing as any other contract. Given the purpose of the FAA, it has been repeatedly stated by the courts through uh, that, that through the FAA, Congress has declared a strong liberal national policy favoring arbitration and that there is a strong presumption favoring enforcement of such agreements. However, it's uh, important to note that in a unanimous decision authored by Justice Kagan last year, 
when was the last time you you, you heard of a unanimous decision coming out of the court, the Supreme Court in Morgan versus Sundance? The Supreme Court clarified the nature of the quote unquote federal policy on arbitration. Uh, the court stated that that the FAA policy favoring arbitration is merely an acknowledgement of the FAA's commitment to overrule the judiciary's longstanding refusal to enforce agreements to arbitrate and to place such agreements upon the same footing as other contracts. Further, the court observed that the policy is to make arbitration agreements as enforceable as other contracts, but not more so. The court held accordingly, a court must hold a party to its arbitration contract just as the court would hold any other party to its contract, but a court may not devise novel rules to favor arbitration over litigation. Quote, the federal policy is about treating arbitration contracts like all others, not about fostering arbitration, unquote. The Supreme Court has made clear that the FAA's policy is based upon the enforcement of contract rather than a preference for arbitration as an alternative dispute resolution mechanism. So the FAA embodies Congress's intent to provide for the enforcement of arbitration agreements uh, within and under the full reach of the Commerce Clause. In Prima Paint Corporation, the Supreme Court held that the FAA creates a basis for federal substantive law under the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution, and that is enforceable under the Supremacy Clause of the Constitution. However, the United States Supreme Court noted in another case, the FAA is something of an anomaly in the federal uh, court jurisdiction field as it creates a body of federal substantive law establishing and regulating the duty to uh, honor an agreement to arbitrate, yet it does not create an independent federal question jurisdiction. Thus, the FAA requires an independent jurisdictional basis over the party's dispute for access to a federal court. So, yeah, you would need to you would need to have diversity or federal question like say the Miller Act uh, for for a federal court to have jurisdiction under the FAA. While the purpose of the FAA is to ensure enforceability of arbitration agreements according to their terms, the FAA does not force parties to arbitrate claims that they did not agree to arbitrate. Arbitration under the FAA is a matter of consent and as such, the parties are free to secure an arbitration agreement as they see fit. They can limit which issues will be arbitrated and specify the rules under which the arbitration will be conducted. Indeed, the liberal policy in favor of arbitration generally does not apply to the threshold question of whether a valid ar uh, agreement to arbitrate between the parties exists. Of course, in the surety context, the question of whether there is an agreement to arbitrate is in many jurisdictions, you know, intertwined with the question of whether there's an arbitration provision in, in an underlying contract that's been incorporated by reference into the surety bond, and there's the majority view and the minority view. Uh, but when, when parties have agreed to arbitration, the FAA ensures enforcement of that agreement, agreement whatever it is. Moreover, uh, as a matter of federal law, any doubts concerning the scope of arbitrable issues uh, should be resolved in favor of arbitration to that end. Uh, courts have said that there's a heavy presumption of, arbit of arbitrability uh, required that when the scope of the arbit arbitration clause is open to question, a court must decide the question in favor of arbitration. However, again, the Supreme Court has recently stated, of course, while ambiguities in the language of the agreement should be resolved in favor of arbitration, 
the court does not override the clear intent of the parties or reach a result inconsistent with the plain text of the contract, simply because the policy favoring arbitration is implicated. The FAA, as an overview, it's, it's comprised of 16 sections that are set forth in 9 USCA Section 1 at SEC. Uh, the primary declarative section of the FAA is Section 2, which uh, provides in relevant part that a written provision in any contract evidencing a transaction involving commerce, in quotes, uh, to settle by arbitration a controversy thereafter arising out of such contract or transaction or an agreement in writing to submit an arbitration, uh, to submit to arbitration an existing controversy arising out of such contract or transaction, quote, shall be valid, irrevocable, and enforceable save upon such grounds as exist at law or in equity for the revocation of any contract. That's uh, 9 USCA Section 2. Section 1 of the FAA defines commerce as used in, in Section 2 uh, as commerce among the several states or with foreign nations or in any territory of the United States or in the District of Columbia or between any such territory, etc. cetera. Uh, Section 3 of the FAA empowers the courts to issue a stay of any case that is pending in court until the arbitration is completed. Section 4 enables a party to an arbitration agreement to request the court request that the court compel arbitration and sets forth procedures for conducting a hearing uh, on that issue. Section 5 addresses appointment of arbitrators if the party's uh, agreement does not address that issue. Section 9 provides for confirming an arbitration award. So you, you had your arbitration, you got an award, you come into the court, you can get the court to confirm it. Sections uh, 10 and 11 deal with vacating or modifying an arbitration award. So you got your award and you don't like it, <laughs> you're coming in trying to get it uh, overturned or modified in some way. And there's very, very limited grounds uh, under the FAA, the uh, same as the State Uniform Arbitration Act, pretty much. Uh, the, other, the other sections of the FAA deal with procedural issues, uh, except that Section 16 addresses appeals from the various court actions that the, that the uh, FAA uh, authorizes when enforcing the FAA. So there, there are appeal rights uh, from a decision from the court um, if you don't like what you're getting there. When a party invokes uh, the FAA and asks a federal court to stay a case and compel arbitration, uh, the court will engage in a four-step inquiry. First, it will determine whether the parties actually agreed to arbitrate. Uh, second, it'll determine the scope of that agreement. Third, if federal statutory claims are asserted, the court must consider whether Congress intended those claims to be non-arbitrable. And four, if the court concludes that some, but not all of the claims in the action uh, are subject to arbitration, it must determine whether to stay the remainder of the proceedings pending arbitration. Um, and keep in mind that the party resisting arbitration bears the burden of proving that the claims at issue are uh, suitable for arbitration. A section two of the FAA makes clear one of the threshold issues on the applicability of the FAA is whether there is a, a transaction involving interstate commerce. As one court put it, before the FAA can become applicable, there must be an agreement in writing providing for arbitration and the contract must evidence a transaction involving interstate commerce. Many courts have observed that um, due to the liberal federal policy favoring arbitration agreements, the words evidencing a transaction involving commerce are to be construed broadly. 
in deciding whether there is a transaction involving commerce governed by the FAA. The court will look to the terms of the contract. It, it, it may look to affidavits, uh, to the party's business operations, and other facts relating to uh, the particular uh, transaction. For example, in, in Metro Industrial Painting Corp, uh, out of the Second Circuit, a New York contractor entered into a subcontract with a New York subcontractor for painting work on a project in Florida. The subcontract contained an arbitration clause. The subcontractor demanded arbitration under Section 4 of the FAA. In determining whether the subcontract was a transaction involving commerce, the court noted there were many interstate elements involved in the performance of the subcontract. 20% of the sub's workforce at the Florida site as well as substantial, uh, a substantial number of supervisory personnel were transported from New York City to Florida for the project, and materials used by Metro's employees were purchased from other states, as were materials used by other sub sub subcontractors, many of whom were also from out of state. Uh, the court held that the transaction evidenced by the contract thus clearly involved commerce. So you can see the court We'll look at uh, a lot of different factors, including you know where you got your inventory and and uh, where you work. Uh, if you work in a regional area or something like that, then you've got interstate uh, uh, commerce going on. But basically, I think when you when you look at the issue, courts will generally try to bend over backwards to find some relationship to interstate commerce so that the FAA will apply. So the next issue to talk about whenever you're talking about the FAA, of course, is preemption. Uh, one of the unique features of the FAA is that it can give rise to federal preemption over conflicting state laws. So while the, while the FAA contains no express preemption provision, nor does it reflect a, a congressional intent to occupy the entire field of, arbit uh, of arbitration, the, the liberal federal policy favoring arbitration and the purpose, the overall purpose of the FAA has given rise to preemption. In Southland Corp versus Keating, the Supreme Court held that the substantive law created by the FAA was applicable in state courts as well as in federal courts. The court stated in creating a substantive rule applicable in state as well as federal courts, Congress intended to foreclose state legislative attempts to undercut the enforceability of arbitration agreements. Because the FAA creates a substantive body of federal law, to the full limit of the Commerce Clause under the Supremacy Clause, the FAA preempts inconsistent state law. Under the law of preemption, courts have held that state laws making arbitration agreements void or unenforceable or, or revocable uh, are preempted because they contravene the federal policy and purpose of the FAA. Similarly, state laws which make arbitration clauses invalid as adhesion contracts have been held preempted by the FAA. A state law which treated the incorporation by reference of arbitration agreements into contracts differently than the incorporation by reference of other provisions into contracts was held to be preempted by the FAA. While preemption under the FAA exists, the FAA does not uh, entirely displace state arbitration law and the mere fact that a, a contract affects interstate commerce, thus triggering the FAA, does not automatically preclude enforcement of state arbitration laws in general. Rather, the FAA can preempt state law to the extent uh, that such law, quote, stands as an obstacle to accomplishment and execution of the full purposes and objectives of Congress under the FAA, unquote. So stated differently, state rules 
specific to arbitration that interfere with the purpose of the FAA are subject to preemption under the Act. The converse is also true in that state laws specific to arbitration that do not conflict with the FAA or its purpose are not preempted, nor are state laws affecting all contracts in general. Uh, you look to the final uh, phrase of Section 2 of the FAA, it permits arbitration agreements to be declared unenforceable upon such grounds as exist at law or in equity for the revocation of any contract. This saving clause permits uh, arbitration clauses to be invalidated by generally applicable state contract defenses such as fraud, duress, waiver, unconscionability, uh, or other such general contract defenses, but not by defenses that apply only to arbitration or that derive their meaning from the fact that an agreement to arbitrate is at issue. So uh, one example of, um, of preemption um, is the case of OPE International uh, versus Chet Morrison Contractors. Uh, that's out of the Fifth Circuit. Uh, the construction contract provided that any disputes would be decided by arbitration in Houston, Texas, uh, and under Texas law. One party filed suit in Louisiana, and the other party filed suit in Houston, Texas, seeking an order compelling arbitration in, in, in Houston under the FAA. The party who filed in Louisiana contended that Section 9,2779 of the Louisiana Revised Statutes voided the venue and choice of law provisions of the contract. The Louisiana statute provided in relevant part that in any construction contract for public or private projects in Louisiana where one of the parties was domiciled in Louisiana contained a provision requiring a suit or arbitration proceeding to be brought in a forum or jurisdiction outside of Louisiana or to be governed by another jurisdiction's law, such provision would be null and void and unenforceable under the Louisiana statute. Texas court issued an order finding that uh, the Louisiana statute was preempted by the FAA, staying the Louisiana case and compelling arbitration in Texas. On appeal, the Fifth Circuit uh, noted, um, you know, the, the things that we had talked about earlier about the Supreme Court's view about creating a substantive rule applicable to states as well as federal courts. Uh, Congress intended to foreclose state legislative attempts to undercut enforceability of arbitration agreements. The court for, further noted that the Supreme Court has stated that Congress precluded states from singling out arbitration provisions for suspect status, requiring instead that such provisions be placed upon the same footing as other contracts. Because Section 9,2779 of the, of the Louisiana law declares null and void and unenforceable as against public policy, any provision in certain construction contracts which require a suit or arbitration proceeding uh, to be bought, brought in form or jurisdiction outside of Louisiana, the state directly conflicts with Section 2 of the FAA because the Louisiana statute conditions the enforceability of arbitration agreements on a selection of a Louisiana forum, a requirement that is not applicable to all contracts generally in Louisiana. Thus, the, uh, the Fifth Circuit upheld the finding that um, that the stat Louisiana statute was um, was preempted, so you can see that you know the courts will go pretty far down the road <laughs> to find preemption and to uh, to allow uh, contracts to be held to be uh, subject to the FAA and and 
so, you know, there's another example that just came out with last year in Texas, uh, Global Industrial Contractors versus Red Eagle Pipeline, um, Southern District of Texas, uh, 2022. Same kind of deal. There's a statute in Texas saying, you know, you, you can't have uh, other states' laws apply or other state jurisdiction apply. And again, that, that statute was held to be unenforceable. Uh, okay, so that's my, my sort of in-depth primer on, uh, on the FAA. This is a very dense and complicated issue with many nuances and cases going in many directions. So uh, you have to exercise caution when analyzing uh, the FAA-related issues. So in this next um, uh, segment, I'm going to discuss a potential defense against arbitration that a surety may wish to consider if the surety desires to avoid arbitration in states where the legislature or the courts have defined suretyship as insurance. This potential defense arises from the application of the federal McCarran-Ferguson Act, 15 U.S.C. Uh, 1012, uh, subsection B. If you followed uh, Surety Today, the podcast, or the blog, you know we absolutely hate it when courts and <laughs> statutes treat suretyship as insurance. <laughs> Really, really hate that. But if you are in a jurisdiction where that is the unfortunate reality, you might as well try to get some advantage out of it, right? So, so here we go. Uh, as we just discussed, the FAA preempts state laws that single out arbitration and treat arbitration in a manner contrary to the purpose and intent of the FAA. Thus, if there, if there was a state statute that said there is no right to arbitrate, the FAA would typically preempt and invalidate that. However, under the McCarran-Ferguson Act, Congress has created an exception to the FAA. The act provides in pertinent part, no act of Congress shall be construed to invalidate, impair, or supersede any law enacted by any state for the purpose of regulating the business of insurance, unless such act specifically relates to the business of insurance. So that purpose of, of the McCarran-Ferguson Act is to affirm the supremacy of the states in the realm of insurance regulation. The act exempts in the insurance industry from general commerce clause restrictions unless Congress specifically intends a specific statute to relate to the business of insurance. The Supreme Court has stated that the purpose of the act was to assure that activities of insurance companies in dealing with their policyholders would remain subject to state regulation. Congress intended to give support uh, to existing and uh, future state systems of uh, regulating and taxing the business of insurance and to sustain such systems from a tax under the Commerce Clause. Uh, the, the court um, in Merchants Home Delivery Service versus Frank B. Hall uh, out of the Ninth Circuit, uh, Cert Denied, stated that Congress enacted the McCarran-Ferguson Act in part to allow states to regulate business of insurance free from inadvertent preemption by federal statutes of general applicability. This purpose is accomplished through the limited inverse preemption in that section of the act, directing that federal law of general applicability does not apply to the business of insurance if federal law conflicts with state law. Uh, an additional purpose of the act is to give insurance companies a limit, limited immunity uh, from antitrust laws. To determine whether the act uh, saves a state insurance statute from preemption by a federal statute, such as the FAA, 
you must consider a three-part test. One, whether the federal statute specifically relates to the business of insurance. Two, whether the state law at issue was enacted for the purpose of regulating the business of insurance. And three, whether the um, application of the federal law in, would invalidate, supersede, or impair the state law. So let's look at this three-part test. Clearly, the, the FAA is a federal statute that does not specifically relate to the business of insurance. The FAA is a broad statute that applies to all interstate commerce. The next, so you satisfy the first part of the test. The next part of the test is whether there's a state law that was enacted relating to the business of insurance. Now, the Supreme Court has construed the term business of insurance under the McCarran-Ferguson Act and emphasized that it, 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 it is the relationship between the insurer and the insured that should be the focus uh, in determining what constitutes the business of insurance. Similarly, in another Supreme Court case, the court held that uh, an Ohio statute was saved from preemption by the McCarran-Ferguson Act as a state statute enacted for the purpose of regulating the business of insurance because its purpose was to protect policyholders. The court gave a broad reading to the phrase stating that any law with the, quote, end, intention, or aim of adjusting, managing, or controlling the business of insurance is a law enacted for the purpose of regulating the business of insurance under the McCarran-Ferguson Act. So based on this authority, both federal and state courts have held in a variety of circumstances that state statutes that expressly invalidate arbitration clauses specifically as to insurance contracts are indeed enacted for the purpose of regulating the business of insurance and thus are not preempted by the FAA by virtue of the McCarran-Ferguson Act. So you've got uh, cases and research, my research has shown cases out of the Eighth Circuit, um, uh, I guess that's Missouri law, um, another case out of the Second Circuit, for some reason dealing with Kentucky law. <laughs> I don't know what the Second Circuit is doing with Kentucky. Um, there's a Tenth Circuit case uh, holding a Kansas statute uh, written to uh, arbitrate as invalid if contained in a contract of insurance was enacted for the purpose of regulating business of insurance. Um, thus, the McCarran-Ferguson Act precluded the FAA. Um, another case uh, out of uh, Kansas uh, holding the same thing. Another case out of Kentucky, um, Fifth Circuit, Eleventh Circuit, Eighth Circuit, Tenth Circuit, all all of these cases are dealing with uh, insurance laws that that bar arbitration, and the courts were saying that is uh, the business of insurance, that, that constitutes the business of insurance. As to the third part of the test, clearly the FAA as a federal statute uh, application would invalidate, impair, supersede state insurance laws uh, that the arbitration provisions are, are invalid in insurance contracts. So, if, but for the McCarran, the F Ferguson Act, the FAA would would totally invalidate these these laws, saying you can't you can't have arbitration contracts and insurance uh, contracts. And they, but because of the act, they they uh, they countermand the FAA. The, the FAA. According to research done by others uh, across the U.S., many jurisdictions have adopted varying laws affecting whether insurance disputes can be arbitrated. Um, the research suggested that 24 states uh, had not regulated the arbitration of insurance disputes. 10 states have limited restrictions. 13 states have more robust restrictions. And three states <clears throat> have restrictions that the courts have determined are inapplicable. So um, 
you know, again, we went through the list of some of the cases, but the the, the research on what what provisions are out there. There's there's uh, looks like Arkansas law, Louisiana, Nebraska, South Carolina, um, D.C., other states as well. So th there are there are provisions in state law that bar arbitration, and the only reason they survived the FAA is because of the McCarran-Ferguson uh, Act. In order to make this argument work as a defense, though, you need to, to put a clothespin on your nose and take the position, if you are in the applicable jurisdiction where arbitration is barred in insurance agreements, that surety ship and surety bonds have been defined or held to be insurance. There are many states out there, which I will not name here so that it's not thrown back in our faces someday, that have held or defined surety ship and surety bonds to be insurance. Um, and, and it's just, you know, like, as I said, it drives me crazy. It makes no sense. But they do it, and it is done. And for purposes of this argument, it actually might be helpful. So, so just to complete the argument, if the surety is faced with an arbitration demand, and the surety does not wish to arbitrate, then you check to see if the jurisdiction you're in has a statute that exempts or excludes arbitration clauses from insurance contracts. These statutes might be standalone or they might be part of the state's Uniform Arbitration Act. Uh, then check to see if the surety or bonds are defined as or ruled to constitute insurance in that jurisdiction. If you can meet those requirements, the McCarran-Ferguson Act may reverse preempt the FAA, and the surety can then assert that it's not bound to arbitrate. Uh, keep in mind that several courts have held that the McCarran-Ferguson Act is to be narrowly construed, and of course, the general stated or unstated bias against surety companies in some states uh, you know, is going to make any argument uh, beneficial to the sureties an uphill battle. But um, it, I was only able to, in my research, find um, one case uh, where this argument was um, applied or put forward by a surety. However, in that case, the court uh, said that the, the surety ship was not insurance. So therefore, it was not the business of insurance. So therefore, the McCarran-Ferguson Act did not apply. So that, that's, what, that's what you'll see when it's, when it's, you know, when it's to their benefit, yeah, it, it, it's the business of insurance. When it's not, oh, no, no, it's not the business of insurance. What are you talking about? Anyway, all right, that's what I got on uh, on arbitration, and uh, let's close up here uh, before I do and open up the line. I want to thank everyone again. Um, the next episode of Surety Today will be on Monday, November 13th at 12.30 Eastern Time. Uh, upcoming events, October 11th through the 13th, the National Bond Claims Association will have its uh, annual meeting at Horseshoe Bay Resort located near Austin, Texas. November 15th, the PSCA, Philadelphia Surety Claims, will hold its lunch meeting, and Mr. Mike Saba will be speaking about SDI. Uh, December 6th, the PSA will hold its annual holiday party at Fergie's in Philadelphia, and the holiday gift will be a nice duffel bag. Uh, go to our Surety Today blog website at wcslaw.com to see a calendar of surety events. Again, thanks to everyone uh, for joining me today on this what is it, Columbus Day? <laughs> Some kind of holiday. I don't know. It's, it's, it's uh, whatever. So let me open up the line here. The conference is now in talk mode. All right, we're in talk mode. Let's talk. Questions?
concerns, opinions, founded or unfounded. <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, thoughts and prayers to uh, to the good folks in Israel for this crap that's going on over there and that they're going to have to deal with for a while, it's going to look like. And uh, those people suffering in Afghanistan with that earthquake. Mm. Crazy stuff going on out there. Hope everybody uh, stays safe and uh, look forward to talking with you again next month. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Surety Today. Audio recordings and white papers from prior episodes are available on the Surety Today page of the Wright, Constable, and Skeen website at wcslaw.com backslash surety dash today.